This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. If you have a Bible, open up to Mark chapter 11. And if you can, find 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Mark chapter 11 and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We began some months ago talking about mountain-moving faith. Jesus taught us about mountain-moving faith. We went all around here in Mark chapter 11. And then we began talking about the Lord stirred my heart and said, you need to talk about removing the biggest mountains. And we began talking about removing strongholds. And we're going to get to casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But right now we've been talking about removing strongholds. Removing strongholds. So let's read this now. In Mark chapter 11, I want to just pick out the 23rd verse. And we'll read it from the New King James. If you don't have the New King James Version with you, that's all right. But follow along on the screens if you would. So we can all read the same words. Mark eleven twenty three. Reading loudly and together, let's read. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, let me say it back to you. This is Jesus talking and Jesus knows what he's talking about. And Jesus knows that we were created in the image of God. Every human being, whether they're a believer or not, were created in the image of God. With dominion. Let us make man in our image and let him have dominion. And Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's something about the way we were created in God's image, in his likeness, with dominion, that gives us the ability to speak words with authority. And then when, if you get born again, now you have access to the name of Jesus. So it's not only human authority and dominion that you have but you can use that human authority dominion and likeness of God to speak words with authority and use the name of Jesus and that just takes you all the way to the top because that's the name above every name isn't that right see so it changes when you get born again it increases but here's what Jesus said Jesus said for assuredly I say to you that means this is sure whoever says to this mountain, not asking God to move the mountain. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. This sounds too good to be true, but Jesus is teaching us something. And unfortunately, because many people, even believers, don't really believe it's true, even if they say they do, they're talking things all week long that they believe and they're coming to pass, not realizing that Mark eleven twenty three 23 is working for them in the negative side, on the negative side. See, Jesus is teaching us here the power of words. In, I believe it's Matthew 12, he said, by your words, you'll be justified and by your words, you'll be condemned. That's why every idle word is important. Even joking words. Okay, so let's just go on now and read from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'll begin at the third verse. Paul said, for though we walk in the flesh, 
We do not war according to the flesh. We believers, we believers. Now, a lot of people, they're fighting each other, arguing and all that. But, but he said, look, that's not us as believers. There's a different war that we're facing because we know that there's a spiritual realm that is influencing this natural realm. So if we don't confront that spiritual realm and control that spiritual realm, then we can fight in the flesh all we want to, but it just go right back to the same because we didn't deal with the spirits. How many of you know there's a spirit realm? Yes. There is a spirit realm. And so Paul said, for us as believers, though we walk in the flesh like everybody else, we're here we are physically like everybody else, but we don't war according to the flesh. You remember he said in Ephesians 6, 12, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, humans, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, talking about the whole spirit realm, evil spirits. Spirits of the kingdom of darkness. Now, angels are spirits too. But we're not wrestling with the angels. They're on our side. They're on God's side. Isn't that right? But we do have to wrestle with the the dark side. I'm not talking about Star Wars either. (laughs) As soon as I said that, I just knew somebody said, yeah, the force be with you. No, no, listen, our force is greater than all of that mess. Isn't that right? Okay, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare, our, as believers, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, human level, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. This is what we're talking about. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God will We're going to get to that too. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, I gave you, and we talked about five different kinds of strongholds. If you missed that, that's all right. Pick it up. Go pick it up. You can go to our brand new solidlifesmedia.com website. Pick it up. Listen to those because you need to know what those strongholds are and how to pull them down. So I gave you five. Demonic strongholds. Demons. Demons live with people. Demons. Some demons live in people. In fact, all demons would love to live in people, but when you're a believer, they may not be able to get in you, like to possess you, but they can oppress you. They can live with you, oppress you, just feel like they're on you, in your mind, and everything else. See, demonic strongholds, they need to be removed. Spoken strongholds, things you say, things you say, things you have said that have caused strongholds because your words have authority, you created your own strongholds with your words. And sometimes I showed you in the Bible that it's not only spoken with our mouths, but some have been spoken in our hearts and things happen because of what we said in our hearts. We also talk about a third type of stronghold, behavioral strongholds, things you do or have done that created a stronghold and that stronghold needs to be removed. We also talked about attitudinal Strongholds. In other words, you have attitude like greed or pride or selfishness. And those attitudes are strongholds that are keeping you from being the person you're called to be, from walking in the fullness of the promises of God. They need to be confronted. Those attitudes need to be addressed. They need to be removed. And then we also talked about briefly belief strongholds. Some people just have a wrong belief. Because their minds are not renewed to the word of God. Maybe they even have what they learned as a believer, as a Christian. But what they believe is wrong. Like that guy, you know, when Jesus told the parable of 
the people he gave the talents to. He gave five, he gave two, he gave one. And the ones he gave five and two to, they went and multiplied it. They used it and such. But the one he gave one to, he said, well, I knew you were a hard man. Reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. Well, what do you mean hard man? I gave you a talent, didn't I? I didn't make you use your own talent. I gave, I gave, well, you, you reap where you have not sown. Wait a minute, didn't, didn't the master sow? Didn't he give you a talent? See, he had a wrong perspective. And this is how many people, they've got a wrong belief. They think God's hard. They think he's not fair. They think he requires too much. Their thinking is skewed, not realizing he's the creator. And not only that, when we disobeyed, he sent and sacrificed his only son to buy us back. Oh, he's not a hard person. Oh, he's loving and compassionate and good and wonderful. Isn't that right? See, and so if our belief is wrong, it becomes a stronghold and we're living with with wrong thinking. And this is why we need to get renewed to the word of God. It's happening even now. Boy, as we're teaching the words happening even now. Now, I was going to move on to casting down arguments this next segment, but I felt stirred to the Lord. He said, no, there are two more. You need to deal with generational strongholds and territorial strongholds. Now, let me just tell you, with generational strongholds, this is not really a new kind of strongholds. Because this still goes back to demonic strongholds, behavioral strongholds, spoken strongholds, belief strongholds, and attitudinal strongholds. It's the same ones, but it's ones that hang around from generation to generation. See, so in a sense... We need to recognize these and identify them and and pull them down. But it's not like they're different from the others. It's just that they keep going from generation to generation, from person to person, from from uh, we'll find out from boss to boss, from king to king and such. Okay, so now many people call what I'm talking about here generational curses. And and that's okay. That's okay. But I want to be a little technical here if I can the Bible says study to show yourself approved to God a workman that does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth that's King James version study rightly dividing I want to be a little more precise and let me tell you one of the passages that this comes from generational curses Exodus 20 4 and 5 uh, the Lord's giving the 10 commandments and he says you shall not make yourself a carved image any likeness of anything that is from that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting and here's the part visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation with what of those who hate me God is saying you hate me your creator, if you start bowing down to other gods. God says, that's hating me. Why? Because I am your God. I am your creator. I'm your savior. I forgive you. I bless you. I provide for you. I created the soil that grows the crops. I created the seeds that plant the the food. Everything that sustains you in your life, the water, the whole system where the oceans are full of water that you cannot drink and cannot water your crops. But I created the clouds that will pull up the water and carry millions of gallons 
over to the land and drop it filtered so that now it's fresh water to water your crops and that you can drink and survive. I am your God. And for you to begin to bow down to carved images and things that you create. He says, yeah, that that is hate for me. That that's like marrying somebody and telling you, I love you. I love you. And then going and sleeping around with other people. Yes, they feel hated. They feel demeaned, and that's the way the Lord feels. And so notice what he said. He said, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Isn't that right? See? Now, let me give an example of a generational curse. I'm talking about strongholds, but let me just, let me just clarify a curse, okay? In 1 Samuel 2.27, the Bible talks about a man named Eli. Eli was the high priest of Israel, the highest you can get in the priesthood. He is the high priest. And it says in 1 Samuel 2.27, Then a man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, to wear the ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people? Let me just stop there and say, Eli had some sons who were also priests, and these sons were not satisfied with what God had allotted for them to receive. So you know what they did? They were going while people were coming with their animals to sacrifice. They were going, they were saying, hey, give, give, me, give me this and that. And the people would even push back and say, no, according to the law, we're supposed to do this and that first, and then you'll get such and such portion. And they'd say, you give it to me. And they demanded, using their authority as priests, they demanded more than what they should have had. And they demanded it before they should have had it. And guess what? Being priests, the people complied. And so now the the people are doing wrong before the Lord because these priests are forcing them to do wrong before the Lord. Well, it was Eli's job as the high priest to stop that. And Eli did rebuke them, but he didn't stop them. He didn't stop them. He had the authority to stop them and even remove them from the priesthood. If necessary, but he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Notice verse 30. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. But any man of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar, shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. What what does that mean? All your descendants are going to die before their time. They're going to be cut off, they won't be fruitful, and they're going to die before their time. Why? Because of you. This is the visiting of the, the iniquity of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. This is a curse that God pronounced. Now, you need to also understand this, that this is not just a typical person in Israel. This is the high priest. 
And you remember Jesus said in Luke 12, 48, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much is required. Isn't that right? We'll usually quote it, to him, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Isn't that right? So God had given him a, a very high position and much is required. It's like James says in James 3, I believe he said, verse 2, I believe he said, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we, he included himself. This is James, the Lord's brother, Jesus' brother, not Peter, James, and John. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Half-brother because Jesus was only born of Mary, not of Joseph. Right? Okay. So this is James, Jesus' brother, saying, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. See, so when God gives you a position, then he expects you to use that positional influence to honor him with that positional influence. And Eli did not. And so God ended up, and this went on for years, by the way. This was not just going on for three months. This was years. He let it go and let it go. He rebuked him, but he didn't stop it. They were still doing wickedness to the people. And God finally came and said, this is, this is going to cost you. And it was a curse that would last for generations. That's a generational curse. That's the visiting of the sins of the fathers. But what I want to talk to you about, and that's bad, but what I want to talk to you about is the more common. And I would call this a stronghold, a generational stronghold. And there's a difference. There's a difference. A curse is something that's been pronounced. A curse is something that is on a family, and it's not, it's not, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what the person is doing, but what curse was on their family. Okay, and, and let me tell you, somebody said, well, yeah, I think there was a witch that put a curse on us. Well, just rebuke it then. That's easy. Hallelujah. See, now, if God, if God pronounces a curse on you, let me tell you, you, you've got to go to some great lengths to deal with that. Isn't that right? But if it's just a witch, is that right? It just, just demonically influenced? Oh, man. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. See, see. We don't have to be afraid of the devil and demons. In fact, Jesus, he said, yeah, I give you the authority over all of those. James says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Isn't that right? But Jesus also said this. He said, but beware of men. You don't have authority over all people. But beware of men. They'll deliver you up to the synagogues. They'll, they'll deliver you up to be persecuted, beaten, imprisoned, and everything else. Isn't that right? And so it's people we got to be concerned about. Why? They have dominion here. But the devil, we have authority over the devil and demons. Come on, say amen to that. Okay, so we're talking about generational strongholds. In other words, not, not curses. We're talking about strongholds, something that has happened in our, with our predecessors, whether it be parents or uh, predecessors on our job or on our role in a position of influence. And something's passing down to us that needs to be removed. Let me give an example of this. In 2 Kings 21, 19, it says, Ammon, this is a king, was 22 years old when he, be, when he became king. Verse 20 says, And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. Can you see that? Here's a behavioral stronghold. 
he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. So he walked in all the ways that his father had walked and he served the idols that his father had served and worshiped them. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. Then the servants of Ammon conspired against him and killed the king in his own house. How many of you know he should have removed that stronghold and said, I can't do what my dad did. I can't behave that way. I need to make a change. How many of you can see this? Okay, but he didn't make a change. Now, in 2 Kings 24, verse 8, it says Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Nehushta and his, uh, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. How many of you can see these behaviors will just turn, will just go down from generation to generation? Well, it's the way I was raised. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's right. That's right. We need to find out what God's word said. We are responsible. See, that's not a curse. That's not a curse, but it's a pattern. It's a habit. It's a way of living. It's a way of talking. It's a way of treating each other. It's the way we function in our home. Are we functioning the way God told us to function, or is this, this just the way we were raised? You can say, well, we were, uh, this is just the way I was raised. Okay, but is it Right. When you become a believer, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and now you have a king. And now we serve the king. What does the king want? King Jesus. Okay, now let me show you an example of a king who built strongholds and how it affected and ruined the kings after him because that stronghold wasn't removed. In 1 Kings 11, 26, the Bible says, Then Solomon, Solomon, by the way, served the Lord for you know, the first part of his reign, uh, like his father David, but then at marrying all those foreign wives, he began to build temples to these foreign gods and do exactly what God said not to do. God said, don't marry those people that are from foreign lands that aren't believers. Isn't that right? God said, don't do that. But he did anyway. And then he, they influenced his heart just like God warned they would do. And he begins building temples just like God commanded not to be done. And he, he began serving as well. So notice it's here. There's some judgment coming against Solomon. It says in 1 Kings 11, 26, Then Solomon's servant, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite from Zerida, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also rebelled against the king, King Solomon. And this is what caused him to rebel against the king. Solomon had built the Milo and repaired the damages of the city of David, his father. The man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing that the young man was industrious, made him officer over all the labor force of the house of Joseph. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, met him on the way. And he had clothed himself with a new garment. And the two were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give 10 tribes to you, to you. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David. Notice that God is still honoring David. God doesn't only visit the iniquities of the fathers. He visits the righteousness of the fathers, too. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to take them all away from you for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because they have forsaken me and worship. Notice the city I have chosen here. God's telling the city I have chosen 
Jerusalem, the city I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Verse 33, because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the people of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do what is right in my eyes and keep my statutes and my judgments, as did his father David. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand because I have made him a ruler all the days of his life for the sake of my servant David, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and give it to you, Jeroboam, ten tribes. And to his son, I will give one tribe that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself. There's a second time he talked about Jerusalem. To put my name there. So I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart desires. I will take you and you will reign over all your heart desires and you shall be king over Israel. Now I want you to notice verse 38. Then it shall be, Jeroboam, If you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my father David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house, kingdom, as I built for David and will give Israel to you. See, when God was carrying the kingdom away from Solomon for his wickedness and disobedience. He was giving 10 tribes up to the north to Jeroboam. And then the one tribe, and of course the Levites and such, were down here in the south. And this was going to be to Solomon's son Rehoboam. And so now it became a divided kingdom, two kingdoms. The northern kingdom called Israel, the southern kingdom called Judah. But notice that the Lord, through the prophet, is saying to Jeroboam, Jeroboam, if you'll serve me and walk right before me like David did, then I'll do the same thing for you that I did for David. And just like I told him, you'll never cease to have a son of yours sit on the throne. It won't go to other families. It'll stay in your family. I'll do that same thing for you, Jeroboam. You'll always have one of your sons sit on the throne. It'll be your family. That, that is the dynasty. If you'll serve me, if you'll walk with me, if you'll obey my voice. Isn't that right? Yes. Okay. Verse 39. And I will afflict the descendants of David because of this, because Solomon sinned, but not forever. Solomon therefore sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Now, Jeroboam was put into power, into place in the north And let me show you what happened. 1 Kings 12, 26, And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom may return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. What's happening? He's afraid now that if he lets the people in the north, the children of God, these are ten tribes of Israel, If he lets them go to Jerusalem where God told them to go and worship, he's concerned that the king down there in the south will woo them over to serve him and they won't serve now under King Jeroboam up in the north anymore. He's afraid. He's afraid. Okay, so what does he do? Notice what it says in verse 28. Therefore the king asked advice, made two calves of gold and said to the people, 
It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. Isn't that what God told them not to do? And he set one up in Bethel and the other he put it in Dan. Now this thing became a sin for the people obeyed him. They went to worship before the one calf as far as Dan. He made shrines on the high places. Shrines. Now here are other idols to worship. He made shrines on the high places and made priests from every class of the people. We don't need just priests from the Levites down there. No, we'll we'll just make priests from anybody. I mean, just breaking the laws of God left and right. Just doing it his own way. Why? I'm the king. I can. And well, people do this today. They think because they have the liberty to do it, that God doesn't care. But it's not true. Made priests of every class of people who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam ordained a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month, like the feast that was in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar, so, which we're not supposed to do. It's supposed to happen down in Jerusalem. But he did it up there where he was. So he did, so he did at Bethel, sacrificing to the calves that he had made. That he made. And at Bethel, he installed the priests of the high places which he had made. So he made offerings on the altar which he had made at Bethel on the 15th day of the eighth month in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered sacrifices on the altar and burned incense. Now he was the very first king of Israel, and this is how he started. How many of you know, talk about starting on the wrong foot. Well, let me show you what happened. Listen to 1 Kings 15. This is later after Jeroboam. 1 Kings 15, 33. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah in the south, Baasha, the king of Ahijah, excuse me, the son of Ahijah, became king over Israel in the north, in Terza. And he reigned 24 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of Jeroboam, And in his sin by which he made Israel sin. He walked in the way. What happened? He didn't change. He kept doing what Jeroboam did. Listen to 1 Kings 16, 25. Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did worse than all who were before him. For he walked in all the ways of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And in his sin by which he made Israel sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. He didn't change the behavioral stronghold, did he? I said he didn't change the behavioral stronghold, did he? Notice, this is a generational stronghold. And it needs to be removed. It needs to be changed. But it's not being changed. And that's why this stronghold just is generational. Generational can be in your family. But it can also be like this, in a position. It can be one mayor after another. It can be one senator after another. In that same, you know, representing that same state. It can be one... A house of representative. It can be one business owner after another. It can be one school principal after another. You get the point? The point is that the predecessor did it one way, but how are you going to do it? You as a believer are responsible to honor and serve the Lord. Not just to carry on what was working for the last guy. Well, yeah, but everybody's used to it and I don't want to rock the boat. Oh, so you're going to please the people and not the Lord. You want the Lord to promote you into that position and then you don't want to obey the Lord. Can you see this? See, and these strongholds need to be 
removed if they're not right. Now, if they're right, we need to keep them going. All right, listen to this. 1 Kings twenty two fifty one. Let me give you one more. There are many of these. 1 Kings twenty two fifty one. 51. Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years in, over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Keeps bringing that Jeroboam up. He was many kings before, but it keeps bringing him up. Why? He's the one that started that stronghold, still not removed. Anybody seeing this? And notice what it says every time. It says, in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. That's Jeroboam's new name. That's the name God gave him. You're no longer just Jeroboam. You're Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. And every time he brings him up, who made Israel sin? Who made Israel sin? Who made Israel sin? That's Jeroboam who made Israel sin. And God hated him for that. Why? Because Solomon was not leading the people right. And so I gave you 10 tribes and I told you, lead them to serve me. Lead them to honor me. Lead them away from idolatry. That's why I gave you this position. I raised you up. You were not a son of David. But I offered you the same deal that I offered David. If you would just lead my people and use that authority to lead them. And you took the very authority I gave you and you led them to serve idols. You used your kingly position and required them not to go obey me, but to disobey me. You made Israel sin. You did it. And God hated him for that. When you pray for a promotion... You need to commit yourself to do right before the Lord in that position. To whom much is given, much is required. And guess what happened? In the north, Jeroboam, the first king of the north, established this evil stronghold. And it never got removed. There were 19 kings in the north before finally they were exiled to Assyria. And guess what? All 19 were evil kings. All 19. Because not one of them stopped and said, this is not right. We can't be like this anymore. Even if we're blessed and benefited and serving our flesh, it's not right before God. We need to stop it. We need to repent of it. We need to tell everybody we're not going to be like this anymore. I know you like your shine shrines and strongholds, uh, high places of worship and such, but it's wrong. And now I'm king and we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to serve the Lord. Not one, not one did it. Not one did it. They're like a lot of believers today. They will not remove the strongholds that were from their predecessors. And, but we need to do it. That's what we're talking about. Somebody say amen to this. Thank God some kings of Judah down in the south they did. They, they started obeying God. In fact, here's one example. 2 Kings 12, verse 1, it says, In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoahash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba. Jehoash was, or he did right in the sight of the Lord all the days which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Watch this. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So he did right. He did right, but he didn't use his position 
to wipe out the high places. Well, ah, people might not like that. But he had the authority to do it. He was the king. And so notice, God gives him credit saying, well, I do appreciate that he did right. I do appreciate that he changed the behavior. He removed the strongholds from his own life. So God's acknowledging that something was changed. But God's also acknowledging, but you should have also used your position to remove them where you had the authority to so that it didn't keep holding captive other people. Can you see this? So God's just acknowledging, but God nonetheless gave him credit for what he did. All right, now listen to 2 Kings 15, verse 1. Is this interesting to you, by the way? Yes. Okay, listen to this. First Kings, excuse me, 2 Kings 15, 1. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, this, so this is way early on in the divided kingdom, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecolia of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done, except that the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed. So, verse 5, then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. Well, let's just move on from there. How many of you know we can partially obey? And that's better than not obeying at all. But we should go all the way. Thank God there were some kings that did right in the eyes of the Lord and removed the strong places. Let me give you an example of one. 2 Chronicles 33, 21. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem, but he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. Ammon sacrificed all the carved images which his father Manasseh had made, served them, and he did not humble himself before the Lord as his father Manasseh had humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more. Then his servants conspired against him and killed him, killed him in his own house. But the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against King Ammon. Then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. Now watch this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the wooden images, the carved images, and the molded images. They broke down the altars of, of the Baals in his presence and the incense altars, which were above them. He cut down and the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images, he broke in pieces and made dust of them and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priest on their altar altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim and Simeon, as far as Naphtali and all around with axes chopping them up when he had broken down the altars and the wooden images and had beaten the carved images to powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel he returned to Jerusalem he went to great lengths to make sure we want to serve God everywhere can you see that that's removing the strongholds that's removing the strongholds we need to remove the places where we've been worshiping the wrong gods we need to remove whatever needs to be removed. You remember Jesus said something like this. He said, if your hand sins against you, cut it off. If that's the problem, cut it off. Now, he's not literally saying lop your hand off. But he's saying you need to cut things off until you stop. 
doing that. If your eye's the problem, pluck it out. If your phone's the problem with that pornography, lock it down. Or throw it in the river. Isn't that right? Do whatever you have to do to remove the stronghold. Whatever is giving place. Do whatever you have to do. Don't just let it go just because everybody else does. We will all stand individually before God. Not collectively. Not collectively. You notice that God said, for the sake of my servant David. For the sake of my servant. See, David established strongholds of righteousness. Isn't that right? I'm so blessed because uh, my my parents were not pastors. They were not full-time in ministry. My dad worked for an aerospace company. My mom worked for the telephone company. But let me tell you, they loved the Lord. And they were determined that they were going to serve the Lord with right hearts. Not just be Christians. Not just be believers. But actually serve him. So they weren't perfect. They had, they had things that, you know, hadn't been worked out, hadn't, you know, God hadn't resolved and they needed help in some things like everybody else. But let me tell you what they did do. They prayed in the home. And I'm not talking about when we sat down to eat and prayed a quick prayer because we're hungry. I mean, they had times of prayer. They had times of prayer. Just walking around. I grew up in a house. We're just hearing, hearing my dad sing to the Lord, lift up his hands, begin to sing in, in spiritual language, pray out in spiritual language. Where my mom would do this, she'd, she'd pray out in the spirit, reading their Bible out in the open. I grew up in a home like that where, no, we, we take God seriously. And when the Lord says, do this, we do this. We do this. Some people say, well, it's family. It's kind of awkward. Oh, my, my parents said, we got to get over that. That's what the Bible tells us to do. And so I was just raised like that, that this is what you do. You actually serve the Lord. You actually obey the Lord. Not just do it at church. But you actually do it at home. I was blessed like that. And, and my two brothers with me, my older brother and my younger brother. And I remember a uh, year before last, my mom went to be with the Lord. And so we, we had her body buried out with my dad's out at the military cem- uh, cemetery out there in Riverside. And we had to make a new tombstone now because it's going to be one for both of them. And so we were trying to figure out there's only a certain amount of space you can put a little saying there. And so we talked it over and trying to consider what do we put there. And we decided to put this. Began a godly heritage. Began a godly heritage. Because see, something happened to us by being raised like this. We're not just going to be typical churchgoers. We have to serve the Lord. We have to serve him with our hearts. Something happened to us. So that even when we went through our struggles and addictions, bondages and the things that came us at us like everybody else, something inside says, but we can't let this go. We can't let this become a stronghold to us. We have to get rid of this. We have to serve the Lord. And guess what? When we went to the Lord, he delivered us just like he promised. You, can you see this? See, so there is a righteous stronghold. We replace these ungodly strongholds with righteous strongholds. This is the way we do it. And some individual has to make a decision to start. You can't wait on everybody. Well, as soon as we get into agreement, we'll start. No, you need to start. 
You need to start. It most often happens with one person. With one person. These kind of things, these strongholds just go on. And I remember uh, many years ago uh, seeing a, a certain church and they were installing a brand new pastor in this church. And this pastor began to, ask, began to ask questions about the previous pastors that were there. And found out that a string of pastors before him, every one of them, fell into sexual immorality. Same church. They install a new pastor. And after a little while, sure enough, he's fallen into sexual immorality. And so then he's out. We'll get another one. And guess what? few years go by, falls into sexual immorality. And this pattern went on. Well, not a one of them decided, you know, I'm going to take this position, do it for a while, but then I'm going to fall into sexual immorality. Not a one of them thought that. Not a one of them said that. Not a one of them intended that. But there was something going on there that needed to be addressed. There was something in that place, something about the way, something that was not right, that ended up getting that person you know I, I talked uh, some time ago can't even remember who it was but was working with somebody uh, on their marriage and to keep this thing from going to divorce and even talking about this but you know you know this is what happened with your parents and such this is the same stronghold trying to be passed down and you know we we're all in agreement at first but as time went on and such they just finally succumbed and said, yeah, but just not happy. I just need to move on. This same stronghold would just go on and on until somebody says, it ends here. Yes. It ends here. Somebody has to decide yes. this will no longer go on in my family. The enemy is getting place when we should take away that place. I remember... Uh, I remember hearing a minister I know, he was talking about, uh, this is many, many years ago, he, he would travel around and minister, and at that time, this was decades ago, at that time there was lots of, God was moving in, in many special ways, people were coming to the Lord, people were being healed, people were being filled with the Spirit, and during those services, they just have them, you know, about every day during the week for sometimes weeks. And the church just fill up and such because God was stirring and people's hearts were being moved. But he said he'd go to this particular church, a good pastor, good people. He said, but it just didn't seem, you know, the same messages that he was teaching, same truths, just didn't seem to catch, just didn't seem to go anywhere. And so he said he didn't complain about it or criticize or even mention anything to the pastor, just did the best he could and then go on. But he'd come back the next year and minister and just notice there's just something not clicking here. But the people are smiling. They got their Bibles on their lap. They love each other. They love the pastor. The pastor loves God, loves the word. Just couldn't figure out what's going on here. But one, one time he said he went back and they asked him to come speak and he spoke and man, he just said, man, it's just like, here's the move of the Holy Spirit. What's going on? And so after the service, uh, they shut down. They, they, they closed everything up. The pastor had to, you know, go turn the lights off. It's a small church, really. Turn the lights off and everything. Then they went. They're going to take the guest minister out to eat. And the pastor got out there and he said, hey, uh, did you notice a difference in our church? And he said, yeah, I wanted to say, yeah, it's like difference between heaven and hell. <laughs> He said, but no, I said, he said, yeah, I noticed. He said, this is the difference between light and darkness. 
He said, let me, tell you, let me tell you what happened. He said, I kept running into something. I didn't know what it was. Just, just something's not clicking right in our church. Didn't know what it was. He said, we, were just, we thought we're doing everything the right way. He said, so I just said, I'm, I'm going to fast and pray and seek God about this. So he said, I just started going into the sanctuary during the day all by myself, just praying, just praying, 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 fasting and praying. He said, and I was doing this for days. And he said, then one day, he said, I just went up on the platform. He said, I just laid down on my back, just put my hands behind my head, just looking up at the ceiling. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, it was like I was seeing a vision. He said, the ceiling disappeared. He said, but I still saw the rafters that, were hold, that would hold up the ceiling. He said, but the ceiling just disappeared. Saw the sky above it. He said, and up in one of the rafters, I saw some, some creature look like an orangutan or something. He said, and I just knew, what, that's, a, that's an evil spirit. What's that evil spirit doing here in our church? And he said, and I spoke to that thing. And I said, no, you're going to have to come down and get out of here. He said, that thing immediately started climbing down. <laughs> now, this is his testimony. This is not the Bible. This is just his testimony, what he said. He said, I saw that thing. By the way, this is one of the nine manifestations of the Spirit. It's called discerning of spirits. Some people call it spirit of discernment, but it's not spirit of discernment. It's discerning of spirits. Spirits. You're, you see spirits. You can see angels are spirits. Demons are spirits. See, this is one of the manifestations of the Spirit. He'll allow you to see something in the spirit realm. Okay? Discerning of spirits. So he said that thing came down and, uh, and then looked at him. And he said, no, no, get on out. And he said, that thing started walking up the aisle, out to the back. Got toward the back door and turned around and looked at him again. He said, no, 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 go out. He said, he said I went and opened the door. He said, I know you didn't have to open the door for a spirit. He said, but I did anyway. I opened the door. He said, no, you go on, get out. You go on and get out. He said, I walked him right out to the street. He turned around and looked and said, no, no, you go on. You go on. He said, I watched him walk way down the street. And then he went into a nightclub. <laughs> and the next day, the nightclub burned down. Wow. <laughs> but the church had breakthrough. The church had breakthrough. Do you hear what I'm talking about? See, there are spiritual strongholds that we don't even discern unless the Holy Spirit shows us what's going on. You don't have to necessarily see them like he did. But you can discern from the Lord that there's something of a stronghold there that is holding back. And we have authority over these strongholds. Come on, say amen to that. We have authority over these strongholds. Thank God. Now, now uh, and by the way, this is happening in society all the time. The world needs our help to know how to break these cycles. You know, I saw a report, a 2000 U.S. Senate report, shows that children with an incarcerated parent are six times more likely to be incarcerated themselves at some point in their life. How many of you know those are strongholds? And who is it that's going to help these kids? Who is it that's going to help these families to not see that perpetuated? It's going to be people who understand. Amen? We're here to help, not to condemn. We're here to help. To show the light. Well, how do you break the cycle? Well, first of all, you have to recognize there's a stronghold. If you don't recognize and admit that there's a stronghold, you'll never confront it. You have to admit it. It's not just the way, well, it's just the way I was raised. 
No, you have to admit, no, it's a, it's a stronghold. It's either wrong behavior, wrong thinking, wrong attitude, or demonic spirit. Usually demons are involved in all of them, by the way. Okay, so let's see. I've just got a limited amount of time and so much that I want to say. And so, let me give you this, let me give you this quick story. 2 Kings 1.9. By the way, do you appreciate the Bible? How many of you can see the Bible is full of insight for us today? Listen to this story. 2 Kings 1.9. Uh, then the king, I'm going to fill it in a little bit so you get the context. Then the king sent to Elijah. He wanted to, he was mad at Elijah. Sent to Elijah a captain of 50 with, with his 50 men. So he went up to him and there Elijah was sitting on the top of a hill. And he spoke to him, man of God, the king has said, come down. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of the 50, if I am a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Verse 11. Then the king sent to him another captain of 50 with his 50 men. And he answered and said to him, man of God, thus says the king. Or thus has the king said, come down quickly. So Elijah answered and said to them, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire, the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. That sounds like those pastors. People getting consumed. Verse 13, again, he sent a third captain. Let me ask you, what if you were the third captain? What would you do? What would you do? What would you do if you've seen destruction in your family for generations? What, what do you do? Well, why don't we just do the same thing? What would you do? Listen to this. Again, he sent a third captain of 50 with his 50 men, and the third captain of 50 went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said to him, man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Look, fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of 50s with their 50s, but let my life now be precious in your sight. Notice he didn't say, my king said, come down quickly. He skipped that part. Isn't that right? Who, who are you to talk to the man of God like that? I'm not repeating that. That's not coming out of my mouth. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to appeal to this prophet because in this passage, appealing to the prophet is like us humbling ourselves and coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't want to be destroyed like my predecessors. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to honor you. Would, would you allow my life to be precious in your sight? And notice this. So this is what he did, verse 15. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down to the king. And he and that man and those 50 men lived. How many of you can see? You make a change and you humble yourself and you get different results. Can you see this? 
So what do you do? You have to recognize that there's a stronghold and you have to do what's necessary to change it. I won't take the time to read it, but in Deuteronomy 17, before Israel ever had a king, before they even made it into the promised land, God said in Deuteronomy 17, he said, listen, when you get into the land and you say you want a king, because I know it's going to happen. He said, you need to know something. The king needs to make a copy of the book of this law and read it every day so that that king will know and so that that king will learn to fear God, revere God, and not use the big authority of a king to start doing wrong before the Lord. That king needs to read the word every day so that the king learns to fear God that, yeah, you're the king, but you're not the highest. There's one higher than you, and that's God. Is that right? And you need to serve God. Well, guess what? Some kings did and some kings didn't. And David did. David did it. And boy, did God bless him. Isn't that right? Boy, did God bless him. All right. Now, what do we do? Well, listen to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You know it, but listen again. God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, 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 pray. See, that's what my parents did. Oh, they just prayed. Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. See, they've learned something. This behavior has been passed down. But if my people will turn from it, turn from it, turn from their wicked ways. God says, then I will hear from heaven. I promise I will. I promise I will. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and I'll heal your land. What does that mean? Whatever devastation has happened, I'll restore it. I'll make it right. I'll put you back on solid ground. Oh, there's hope for us today. Isn't that right? There's hope for us today. Listen to Philippians 2, 12 and 13 from the New Century Version. My dear friends, you have always obeyed God when I was with you. Paul said, it is even more important that you obey God now while I'm away from you. Keep on working to complete your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't take this lightly. Complete your... Somebody said, I thought we are fully saved. We're not fully saved because our spirits are born again, but our bodies are not, our minds are not. That's going to happen at the end of the age, but you've got to make it there. Amen. The enemy's trying to trip you up and get you enslaved to sin so that you don't even make it to heaven. Isn't that right? Work out your own salvation. Work to complete your salvation with fear and trembling because God is working in you to help you to want to do and be able to do what pleases him. God is working in you. God is working in you to help you to want to do it. I I found times where I needed help just to want to do the right thing. I knew it was right, and I wanted to do it in one sense, but I needed to really want to do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I've just said to the Lord, Lord, I need my heart to be more hungry for you. I need my heart to be more uh, committed and passionate about serving you. Help my heart, Lord. Help my heart, Lord. He'll answer that prayer. And he'll work with us. He'll work with us. So what do we do? Well, what has Jesus been saying? Jesus has been saying, whoever says to this mountain, be removed. Well, if you can identify the stronghold, how many of you, you can speak to that thing and tell it to be removed. Somebody said, what if the stronghold is me? Like I'm disobedient. (laughs) Yes, speak to it. See, your spirit's born again, but your mind is not born again. Your flesh is not born again. But from your spirit, just get your, your mind won't want this to come out of your mouth, but you just force it out. Yeah. Say, no, I will speak the truth. Yeah. 
and you out of your spirit, you say to that mountain, even if that mountain is your own stronghold, your own, you know, I, I've, let me say this too. You know, these high places that the children of Israel would go to, they'd go up on the mountains to these idols, to these carved images. They'd go, they'd go, they'd go. Today, we don't have to go anywhere. We can sit right at home in our comfortable seat because they pipe it right to our television. Every imaginable stronghold, wickedness, wicked behavior, sexually perverse, it all gets piped right there. We don't go to any with high heels. No, the high heels come right into our home. And we sit there and we watch the wickedness. We listen to it on the radio. Sensual, sexual talk. Tonight's the night, baby. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, our whole world does it. Our whole world does it, but it's not us. We are the people of God that we don't sing like that. We don't think like that. We don't talk like that. We're supposed, we're supposed to be separated from the world. I'm not talking about weirdos, but the Bible does call us a peculiar people. Isn't that right? Why? Because we have a God. And we know at, that at the end of the age, everyone will stand before God. Amen. And our God's good to us. Praise God. So we need to speak to these strongholds, even though they're our own behaviors, even though they're our own attitude. We get in the home, we're arguing with each other. No, 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 really. These are, these are attitudinal strongholds. It is not the way God works. It is not the, it's not the way he treats us. Even when we sin against him, he does not speak to us like that. He does not demean us like that. That's the world's way. But these are strongholds. They're right there in our home, gossiping, criticizing other people. No, 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 this is real. Every one of us are tempted to do this. This is not me looking down on you. This is every one of us are tempted to talk like this and be like this in the home, at work, just talking bad about the boss and everything, strongholds. But it's not the way the Bible tells us to be. God says, you, you who are employees, serve your employers as, an, as if you're serving the Lord. Yes. Not with eye service, just when they're watching or listening. No, but from the heart, serve them as if if you're serving God. Why? Because this is how we are in the kingdom of God. We are honest. We are pure. We're not like everybody else. Can you see that? And when when you identify the strongholds, you need to speak to it, even though the stronghold is in your life. And you may even like some of those strongholds, but let your spirit speak. Tell your mind, shut up. I know you like it. Let your spirit speak up and say, you stronghold, I know you're wrong. Oh, I've done this. Things that I didn't want to give up that really weren't even wicked. I just knew the Lord didn't want me to do it. But I just had to speak it out of my spirit and say, no, no. I know God doesn't want me to do that. I'm not going to do it. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Come on, let's stand together. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, how many of you can sense in the room? I mean, God is talking to us. This is not just a typical message or sermon. Isn't that right? 
No, this is God opening up His Word to us and saying, I know that most people who call themselves Christians don't live like this, but I'm sharing with you that I'm looking for a holy people that I can work through, whom I can bless, yes, but there's something bigger than just you being blessed. And that is I'm trying to reach the world, but the world's not seeing the kingdom. They're not seeing how I am. They're not seeing this kind of life and love and righteousness. And I'm looking for a people who will honor me and who will invite me and who will say, Lord, change me and change my family and change, change the pattern. That's what the Lord is looking for. I don't know about you, but I feel privileged for him to talk about this. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Isn't that right? Oh, thank God. Thank God. And Jesus is saying, you speak to that mountain and it will move. You speak to that mountain and it will move. Is that right? I want us to sing this song here. This is a song some years ago that I wrote, just came up out of my heart. It says, Lord, I consecrate myself to you. The word consecrate means to dedicate to God. To dedicate something to God for his purposes. Are you willing to dedicate your life to God? Yes. Not, not your church life. Your whole life? Amen. Sunday through Saturday? All day long, 24 hours a day? Lord, whatever you want. Offer myself a living sacrifice? See, because this is what the Lord calls us to. So we can be blessed. So we can represent Him. Amen. And He'll forgive us, won't He? Let's sing this together. Watch these words. I consecrate my life to you. Lord, I consecrate my life to you. Come forgive me and cleanse me. Renew
just think of a stronghold in your life. Could be more than one, but just think of at least one stronghold in your life. Everybody's had them, has them, has, has had them right now. And let's do this right now. Just, just under your breath, just mutter it before the Lord. Say, this is what I'm talking about, Lord. This, it, it may be generational. Alcoholism, drug addiction, perversity, pornography, arguing, gossiping, belittling, cutting words, wrong attitudes, laziness, whatever it is, lying, cheating. I mean, it could be any number of things, but nonetheless, you know it needs to stop. Now let's speak to it right now. We're going to get started right now. I'm telling you, these things are real. God's power is real. God's saying, use my power. Don't just try willpower. That's not enough. Use my power. Use my power. I'll help you. Thank God. Thank God. Let's speak right now. Everybody say, in the name of Jesus. I'm speaking to this stronghold or strongholds. And I say to you, be removed and be cast out of my life. In the name of Jesus, I renounce you. You will not be a part of me anymore. Now, Lord, strengthen me. Help me. I declare I will break through this. I will break out of this. And it's not just for me, but it's for my family. It's for everybody around me. This is going to help all of them. In the name of Jesus, I receive your strength. Praise God. I receive your strength. In the name of Jesus, I receive your strength. Say this out loud. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Look at me right now. There's a war in our minds because our minds will say, yeah, but are you really going to have the strength to do that? Yeah, but if I don't see it change, how do I know it's changed? Well, we walk by faith and not by sight. Jesus said, if you'll say to that mountain and believe in your heart, it will move. It will move. Listen to me. You're in charge. And I'm speaking to you, the spirit, the born again spirit. You are in charge. You use the name of Jesus. You overrule your mind and your flesh and your own preferences. And you speak and say, I am born into the kingdom of God. I am functioning with kingdom authority. And I declare it will change. I don't tolerate it anymore. And let me tell you, according to Jesus himself, he said, it'll move. It will move. It will move. Come on, thank God. Oh, yes. These strongholds will be removed. We declare them removed in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Now rejoice by faith too. Rejoice by faith. Sometimes we still feel that heaviness like, yeah, but what if it doesn't? You, you, you just ignore that and say, no, it will. No, it will. Jesus said it will. 
Jesus said it will. I'm going to keep saying it cannot stay and it cannot stay. You just watch. The kingdom authority will overrule all of it, even your own flesh. If you, if you will speak it out. Amen. God is real and he's on your side. Amen. Just say that like God is real and he's on my side. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Can we thank God for his word today?